Is this your new machine that's doing this, or no? I just I just planted just that seed in, in your head. Like I just show fancy things, uh -huh. and so <laughs> this is what we're using. But I use the same old basic stuff. Good lord, it will vibrate. Oh yeah. I wanted it since everybody was producing babies, and then we just needed the space for development. Drop f bombs if you need. I'm more the glass half full, mm -hmm. and then someone brings in that perception. I just get a smaller glass, and then yeah. my <laughs> cup runneth over. That's <laughs> why <laughs> right. I spill so much stuff. See? <laughs> From El Toro Studios, brought to you by ElToro.com, the only one-to-one, 100% -one, cookie-free IP targeting solution. This is the Straight From The Bull podcast. Thank you for tuning into the 16th episode of the ElToro.com podcast. I am David Stadler, here with my co-host, Austin Whiteley, DJ Oz. And today... We have a very special guest, a friend of the El Toro family here. We have Claire Alasia. <sighs> Do you hear those fans? Do you hear those fans? Claire? This is a live studio Thank audience, you all. listeners. <laughs> hush, hush, quiet. Guys, be quiet. You have 75 people in here. It gets a little crowded. Anywho, Claire is a real estate agent. Claire entered the real estate profession after a long and successful career as CEO of Bittners. This is Louisville's premier interior design firm where she honed her practice of building strong relationships and providing top-notch customer service. In this role, Claire worked with a team of designers who created dream homes on a daily basis. Claire also learned what it is that people actually want in a home. And as a Louisville native and longtime community member and business leader, Claire Alasia brings unparalleled knowledge and expertise to her clients. Now, as mentioned earlier, Claire has brought her business acumen to the real estate industry where she presently combines her love of Louisville, her love of homes, her love of helping others, and, and kind of brings it to allow folks to find that perfect home. So through putting people first, Claire has a knack for easing the stress surrounding a move. And this oftentimes leads to friendships where Claire becomes a bit of a go-to resource for newcomers to the community, far beyond the purchase or the sale of a home. Claire is a graduate of Sacred Heart Academy, the University of Kentucky, Leadership Louisville, Leadership Louisville's Bingham Fellows, and Leadership Kentucky. She serves on a number of boards, including the Louisville Community Foundation, Leadership Kentucky, and the University of Louisville Board of Overseers. Previous community service includes Greater Louisville, Inc., the Executive Committee Chamber of Commerce, Bellarmine University Trustees, Ursuline Sacred Heart Trustees, Trinity High School Trustees, Jefferson County Foundation, and Louisville Preservation Foundation. Her community service was recently recognized as a salute to Catholic school alumni. Now, you can find more about Claire on Wakefield Rutlinger Realtors on their website at wrrealtors.com. So, Claire, are you trying are you trying to run for office or, or sainthood? Because, I mean, he had to take a breath to keep on announcing all this philanthropic That was deeds. tough. <laughs> yeah, so many donor things come up, too. Like, if it's any worthwhile cause in, like, a 500-mile radius, most likely, Claire, she's a part of it. Well, as I told both of you all before over lunch, <laughs> at a certain age, you take on a lot more experience. And that's what's happened over my, oh, 40 years of being a professional. And I also had two great mentors that said, first, always give back. And I think I took that literally, and I still do. Just give back to the community, and the community will give back to you. Oh, beautifully spoken. That's, oh, a, that's a great you. way to think but about it. But sainthood is nice, too. Just tell, <laughs> tell my two children that. <laughs> well, that's, that's one miracle. We need two more from there, you. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe those will, will be revealed. Okay. We'll keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
Traditionally, we're drinking bourbon in these um, in these podcasts. Today, uh, a little birdie had told me that Claire prefers wine over bourbon. Um, she she loved it a little bit too much back in college. Is that right? Or the bourbon? The bourbon. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, you you tend not to imbibe as much with that, or I mean, am I putting words in your mouth? You or? know, it comes one time Derby Day. I'll oh. have one mint julep, and that's sufficient mm. for me for the rest of the year, which is. Probably pretty good, and I get a mint julep glass out of it. Lovely. So. <laughs> I mean, the heck, I, I usually come home with a stack of those every time I'm at the track around every week. I mean, <laughs> you might as well. That's true. Everybody's family member has a couple of books that, you know, collect them anyway, so you might yeah. as well just hand them out. You all should use them up here for El Toro. I'll bring them over. We break them like it's bad. Glasses get broken here relatively often. I mean, I, it was it was a struggle. I had to beat p- two people up just to get these two glasses. Um, I'm a pretty tough guy. He's a mean guy. Horrible, horrible boss. You know, you all probably don't remember this, but when I was growing up, when you would fill up your, when my parents would fill up their car with gas, you would get a little juice glass. Hmm? Let's let's bring that back. Yes. So, I mean, you all could just have your whole uh, kitchen outfitted here, but they don't do that anymore. Well, I mean, it's it's like anytime you go to a place with a kid, having something that sits there that's kind of like a prize for mm-hmm. them to be there and be yeah. good is always a plus. It's like going into the grocery store now. They have, you know, bananas and, you know, little bags of goldfish out front that your kid can occupy themselves with. So, I mean, I'm all about the free yeah. stuff for the kiddos, yeah. man. <laughs> well, that's what we had growing All those were our juice classes growing up. <laughs> so, like I said... We are not drinking bourbon today. We are drinking wine. We are drinking a Maomi Pinot Noir. Um, now, when you nose this, I, I kind of... I, do you call it nosing it when it, when you're talking wine? I I don't know. I, I just kind of make this stuff up. I call it tasting. Tasting. Hey, I'm in. Bravo on that pronunciation, yeah. though. Man, that would have been a roadblock for me. Fantastic. I try to inspire. Um, I get a little bit of aroma of tobacco, a little bit of oak, a little bit of fruit. I taste a lot of fruit in this, some plum, maybe a little bit of cherry. And then as you're kind of drinking it, it, it's complemented by, you know, I guess I'm guessing a little bit of the barrel flavor in there, a little bit of the oakiness to it, maybe a little bit of raspberry on the backside. But this is a wine that has become a staple in my home for, I guess, the past year. And it's perfect on a warm summer day all the way through those Nice, cool, chilly days of winter. So, Naomi Pinot Noir, they are not a sponsor of the ElToro.com podcast. <laughs> but they could be. Just have to ask. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you, you. What is the statement? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take? I was always told if you didn't ask the question, you wouldn't know the answer. That works, too. So, I asked around for the past few days, and I wanted folks to give me some words that would describe... Clarelasia. <laughs> and um, I've redacted some of the names due to the brutality of some of these descriptors. <laughs> so don't ask me who it is because I won't tell you. Just going to ask who was it. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of them that I got out of here. I got one, uh, organized. And you were talking about this a little bit earlier when we were kind of just chatting before the podcast here. You like to get into the office on the weekends. Sometimes on Saturdays. Yes, okay. correct. To quote her completely, it was, I love to go to the office on Saturdays. Okay. Why is that? Well, I knew I was on a podcast. And I want everybody to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Dedication. Really? No, it helps me organize for the rest of the week. I'm prepared. I have the answers to what I think some of the questions will be and the materials in line. I'm, I don't like to make mistakes, and I don't like to be tripped up. But that's part of life, mm-hmm. and 
if I can, uh, and I like, I'm sort of a control freak. And what? <laughs> yeah. CEO being control freak? Come on, man. Imagine what? that. <laughs> We've got diligent, detailed, mm-hmm. and process oriented. And this was, this was a kicker when, because I get stories. When people are starting to use these words to describe you, I get stories in the background as well. And I love the you stories. You didn't get sweet, kind. Lovable, gentle. Well, I got a lot of those too, but I mean, I thought these were, these were, this is money right here. This right. Is, I thought this was great material. I was like, I hope somebody one day describes me as <laughs> diligent, detailed, organized, but then they'd just be lying. So um, I'll put it on Wikipedia later. Thanks, dude. I appreciate I got that. You. It's I got all you. legit if it's online. Have you all ever taken the predictive index? The- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, we, we probably relate on that 100% need for control. Well, I was trained to read those, um, the scoring that oh. you all, as an individual, will go in and take a, a front and back sheet of just different words, and it gives you an assessment of what your true abilities are, how people perceive you, and then how you are perceived in the workplace. And it's, it's phenomenal because if you were to look at, at my PI, it would tell you, which surprises me, these words that were just said to me. Huh. I've seen it like, I've heard people just go by it completely. Like, I believe Brown Foreman and Mike Brown go by it. Like, they put it on people's doors, like their results. Mm-hmm. So, when you, before a meeting, you you can approach somebody the way that will it will be received the best. And there's mm-hmm. some people that fight against it, but you found it to be dead I on. I loved it. When we, we um, started that at Bittner's in the early 90s because my boss at that time, Laura Frazier, who was the owner of the company with her dad, Owsley Frazier, they put us through this whole um, learning session and programming. So she had, I did the predictive index, and they I went, they came in, and then they did my read back. And at first I thought, okay, Laura, you told them everything about me. How did they know? It was kind of eerie. <laughs> so I, I embraced it. I wanted to learn. So they put me through the program to learn how to pos- adapt this program into Bittners. And it was a wonderful tool we use in in finding people for the right positions, our top salespeople are interior designers, which are, you know, phenomenal talent. They're so creative, and they are they're out in the public a lot. But so we needed someone to execute the de- the detailed work, mm-hmm. and it wasn't in their best interest to be doing that. So we found people that when we matched them up with assistants, those that liked being in the office, that wanted to be doing the input, that took pride, and because you needed both to make it be successful. Oh, yeah. It was wonderful, and I just I was hooked on it ever since. So we used that pretty much the whole ten year I was there. The rest I'm, of the time, I mean, you, that was in the '90s, and you uh, were CEO for like another two decades. So I guess well, I didn't start as CEO. I mean, I yeah, would, I, yeah. But so I worked my way up to that position. But all the way till, you know, I was working. I was affiliated with Bittners for 30 years. I was in the office for 25, and then transitioned out the last five. But all during those. The majority of my time there, we did the predictive index. And the Oliver Group, you all know them, don't you? They they are the ones that we went to to, to get the training. They're here in Louisville. Oh, yeah. But they're national. I mean, they're probably international by now, but they're phenomenal. It's very interesting. It's freaky yeah. good. It is. You sh- you it should is. Do it. Yeah, we should definitely be running this. I, I mean, I'm going to do a little bit of research when we're off no, of this. Really and sh- kind of- no, just like personally, you maybe maybe branch out for El Toro on it, but it's just... It was it was odd seeing that stuff on paper and then honestly looking at yourself. It's right, like, man. Yeah, and there really weren't many surprises there. But when you those words are, you would see that on my my profile. Nice. So, yeah. 
process oriented was one of these ones that that came up and in in this there was a story that was kind of told to me and you are particularly effective at making a lot of these labor intensive processes um, or at least mitigating the stress that a lot of these labor intensive processes really kind of it, your clients incur you know a lot of that stress that they would traditionally incur you are uniquely effective at offsetting some of that stress before it has an opportunity to rear its head. And uh, the gentleman that I spoke to regarding this said, seems that you have, you know, before you get into a process or task or project, mm -hmm. you kind of spin your wheels and you, you form out your steps, your step-by-step -step process to kind of take it on and, mm -hmm. you know, control the world, if you will. <laughs> but <laughs> but the, the end result is making something that is traditionally very stressful, um, a lot easier. And I mean, you've done, what's, what's one of the most stressful things you're going to do as an adult in today's day and age? It's buy a home. Mm -hmm. And you've worked in a variety of different facets around that process. And it seems like the stories are kind of never ending uh, with respect to what you've done to kind of help offset a lot of the stress that folks incur. So I thought that was... Pretty cool. I, I thought that um, that kind of it's a, it's a it's a personality trait that one would hope to see as both you know the CEO of an interior design firm as mm -hmm. well as a trait that someone would love to see in um, you know a real estate agent that mm -hmm. represents them on quite possibly the most the largest purchase that really. a couple's going to make. Absolutely. So I thought that's pretty cool. I'd like to see those traits in anybody, honestly. You know, I mean, there's not a bad one in there. No, no. But don't you? You always, my mom and dad, everybody would say, treat people as you would want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And that's how I'm. Anybody that has asked me to sell a home or represent them, and that's how I. That's my approach. Is mm -hmm. I want to know the answers. I want to know what can I expect step by step. And that's something that I would want, and I did want in my my future homes that I had sold through another real estate agent, and it was just um, helps relieve some of the guessing because I don't, of course, I don't like guessing. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the golden rule. You know, yeah. uh, I was always taught you treat the CEO the same as you would a janitor. Absolutely. You know, everybody's a person. Yeah, so. it, it is. So titles really don't mean a lot. It's just how, you, how you're treated, and that's important to me. And that's part of the, the community service is being able to, if I'm able to, do what I can to support somebody because why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. If you can. Yeah. It's like like the podcast. It's like community service. She came sure. in, gave her time. Well, you yeah. all are my gosh. Well, just tell the judge that. <laughs> <laughs> we, Claire, will you sign my shoot after this? <laughs> <laughs> so we we kind of skipped over it a little bit, but for those not familiar with Bittners, the history behind that, yeah. and then kind of the, since it's so old, the process is in place. I mean, if you could talk a little bit about that or maybe a story of what you did when you first got there or, or something that you improved when you got there because, I mean, this is handmade, handcrafted items. There's several facets of Bittner's. First of all, it was, um, started in 1854. Gosh. As, and it's along with Hilliard and Lyons. That, they started in Ooh. 1854. The legacy and the tradition that Bittner's has, you know, it, I still it's, it's an untold story that, I mean, we should tell time and time and time again. Started as a custom cabinet shop, and true today, they handcraft and handmade design custom furniture for offices or in or for your home. I mean, was it you that wanted the dining room table? Yes. I mean, your vision, you go down there, and they actually, well, now nah, I haven't been there for a while, but 
they would hand draw the life size drawings so that you could actually visualize it. And, oh. You know, I mean, we can do AutoCAD and all that as well, but this way the customer takes part in that in that creation, mm-hmm. and then they they can come in the shop and see it executed at all the different points. And then we can pick your wood to pick the inlay. They have several different types of species of that part of the wood. They have their own lumber area. Mm-hmm. Then you go upstairs and they have the refinishing. You can pick the different types of finishes. And we have all the different finish boards. Um, I'm talking like when I was there, okay? So things have probably advanced a lot since then. Stadler's over here dreaming. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just like, man. It is a dream. And and, uh, to say you have a Bittner-made piece to this day is as important as it was in 1854. And we have a stamp that if you look at any Bittner-made pieces on the bottom of a piece of furniture is a Bittner since 1854. So I was going to ask a question about that. Is the brand that goes on the wood, is it the same that you guys used over 100 years ago? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. So the brand is going to match something that's brand new versus something right. that came out in 1870. Right. That's awesome. I like 18, that. I mean, the font, I mean, the way it looks, but the name hasn't changed, obviously. Mm-hmm. Did, did so. you guys ever run into any, like, counterfeiting? Our burn is so noticeable and recognizable. I'm sure. Sh- I would be flattered if there was, but I don't, I, I don't know of any. I just believe the attention to detail that our craftsmen make are unparalleled with the service that we provide. Of course. It's it's one of those things where you'd walk up to the table yeah. and you could shake it and be like, that and ain't a Bittner's table. One of the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Come on, man. You're not, I mean, when you have a Bittner's piece, it's going to last for your lifetime. You know, when you buy reproduction pieces, they're not going to mm-hmm. last a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, it's, um, and they're guaranteed for a lifetime. So that's... Everyone should have a Bittner-made piece. Yeah. And one of the best things my mother told me when I started to work there when I was 28, said just buy one good piece of furniture a year or have something made at Bittner's. And that was probably the best piece of advice I had. So I had a fun run, and it was a um, great experience, great mentors. I mean, it was I was at the right place at the right time, and it just worked out. But so the Bittners. Modesty at its finest. I know, right? Man. Years later, they layered on um, interior design because as a craftsman were making furniture and pieces for the house, other clients, I was told, wanted more for their homes. And that's when the interior design part came on. And there's a man by the name of Tom Tom Cruise, not the Tom, (laughs) not the one we're talking about. Is this this Mission Impossible? Who is in the World Book of Guinness Records as one of the longest employees of history. And I think he was there for. 50 plus years maybe and passed away but he was there with the craftsman that started um he was the craftsman then hubert shue who has since passed away um mentored all the guys that are mentored many of the men that are still there in the shop and women on how to make this furniture and it's um it's a trade and it's you, you just it's Don't decide to become a craft woodmaker. Yeah, I mean <laughs> yeah. you can't you can't buy a DIY book off the shelf no. at Home Depot and expect to make heirloom quality right. furniture. Yeah, it's a, you're an artisan. I mean it's true. And then then our interior designers are, you know that's something I don't think you can learn. That's that's in you. It's in your DNA. You can learn to what colors may go on each other. But for a true designer, which the designers are at Bittner's, um, they have that creative part of their brain always going and it's just it's phenomenal it's almost breathtaking so the homes that you go in that are designed by Bittners mm-hmm. you just you just know yeah it's, it's not there's not a cookie cutter and you, that's what you're not paying for and what's nice is if we come in and do your home it has a Bittners look but it's your home 
you know, you it's your it, flair. It's your flair. It's your reflection, and that's what they do best is to translate that into a design. I that's love it. Now, good. for the record, folks, we are not sponsored by Bittners. I know. <laughs> We're not we sponsored. would like to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We got two guys here that bought a new house in the past year. So, uh... Just need a little coffee table. Right. They have, wait a minute. There are two guys that bought a house in the past year, but I, I'm the realtor, right? Uh, All right, let's move on. <laughs> you might want to skip past Burn. that commission on Just that edit one. that one out. I, I don't mean, think, what, what, I, well, honestly, y'all didn't know that I was doing that at that time. That's okay. <laughs> I just, true. sorry, I had to do it. You can edit that out if you want. No, <laughs> no absolutely we not. We're keeping that business in. in there. Come on now. <laughs> you got to show a bit of that power. <laughs> but that for modesty has got to be balanced out. She is, and I realize we're kind of flip-flopping between topics here, but she's the best damn realtor in town. Uh, oh, for sure. You. So. One there are a my, lot of good ones, I have to say. One of my yeah. business partners, and, and this speaks back to the process talk we were talking about earlier, and I mean, I realize there's there's no anonymity in this in this statement, but you know it was Dan. Yeah. And this speaks to the process. He said that you, and it wasn't, it wasn't exactly that the process was in place, and it wasn't exactly the information that you conveyed to them, him. It was the way that you did it. You walked into the house, and you had appraisals already done. You had... You know, you want to make sure, like you said earlier, I want to make sure I don't have any gotchas. I, w- I don't want to get a question that I can't answer or don't already mm-hmm. have the the solution to. Mm-hmm. So you went in and preemptively conducted all of this work. You incurred some risk of your own. You walked through the house and you made recommendations to Dan and Deanna, and, and they're both very headstrong people um, <laughs> in a very positive way. Uh, <laughs> um, but But you make these recommendations, and there is... I'm trying to find, uh, there's a piece about you mm-hmm. as you go through this. And I don't, I don't know a better way to describe it, but it's, it's, it's somebody who obviously knows exactly what she's talking about because mm-hmm. she's been on the side of the business where you have to figure out how to turn a shell into a home, you know, it, mm-hmm. and what are you looking for? What do you want to see? And those recommendations that you had, it was made with such a quiet confidence um, that, they're like, yeah, we got this. This this chick knows what she is doing. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, you know, Dan was like, "All right, everybody has to use her henceforth." <laughs> oh, that's nice, that's nice. Well, I tell you, when you're listing a home, as when you were designing a home from the customer relation point, it's personal. I mean, and so when you make recommendations, you're walking a fine line because mm-hmm. it's you know. A lot of I would use my my mother for example. When it comes time for this house, if it's not broken, you don't replace or fix it. She was from you know the depression area, so that was just you know if it's why would you enhance something if it's already if it's working? Mm-hmm. It could be fifty or sixty years old. So it's to her that didn't make sense monetarily. So it's and it was, and someone's taste is so personal that you don't want to. I mean, what I like, you may not like, or vice versa. So you, you want to make sure that you're respectful of everyone's of course. opinions. And that's what I try to do anyway. And the service I provide, I want to make sure that if we market a house, it's priced accordingly. And that's mm-hmm. a, a service that, you know, if it means to get an appraisal, then we'll get an independent appraisal. Now, I'm mean, not an appraiser. We can do our comps, but hopefully they all swim very close together in the same, same pool. Pretty accurate. Try to be. The two companies that, that we've highlighted, they're industries where you have to be very tactful. Because even though you provide something exactly what the, the mm-hmm. client requested, it still could be wrong in their eyes. So Absolutely. All right. 
That's right. a hard thing to balance. Well, it's in your business, though, too. You've got to be. Oh, of course. I mean, who, you don't want to have bring somebody on that's not confident or that's not going to have skin in the game. That's why I like to do what I can as for my services, provide different type of opportunities so to show that I am, I am invested in it as well as you all are. It's a very interesting, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that's kind of like a, you, you learn about it in Bible study as a kid. It's it's mm-hmm. like a, 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 a propensity to, to serve almost. I, and I, I once again, right. I'm I'm fishing for the proper words here. Uh-huh. It, it's you know, and to be in the service of other others is kind of an honor. Right. Um, this is all a relational business. It's not a transactional business, and you'll hear mm-hmm. that in real estate a lot. But the people that I work with are usually by referral, and you know, your name is on the line, your reputation's, reputation's on the line, and I want to be able to continue that friendship and that relationship, you know, for as long as I'm here on earth. I mean, you have one go around. I want to make it best. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, having a positive reputation precede you um, is, is quite a good thing. I mean... <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I got to work on this, so when, when I'm on a podcast one day, people are calling me organized, diligent, detailed, process-oriented. <laughs> well, I'll do it next week when I interview you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that sounds like I'll a have plan. you take that PI, and then we'll just see what, the, what it calls you. <laughs> so, oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be a great podcast. Yeah, just um, going over Stadler's <laughs> going it cold. That's, that's a whole company conference, right? Oh there. man, we gotta yeah. do, we gotta have a discussion about Stadler and what we're gonna do about buying him out. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> but uh, so we talk a lot about sales. We talk a lot about process. We talk a lot about entrepreneurship here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And you have a very interesting perspective on it because you are in a position of power at a, at a at a storied organization here in Louisville. And as you step into a leadership role. And obviously it doesn't happen overnight. You know, that's mm-hmm. something where everybody knew you there. They knew your reputation beforehand. And when you stepped into that CEO role, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm sure they, they were, they knew what they were getting in that endeavor. But, you know, you have this organization that's been existing for over a hundred years prior to your coming on board. And what type of challenges do you experience with an organization that there might be processes that people have been you know, following to the letter for 30 years, but you're now in charge and you see a way that you can grow the business by 15% next year. And these processes have to change uh, or we're going to be changing. I mean, I, I don't know if this is the situation and we're, we're going to be changing staff to make sure it happens. How do you deal with some of those challenges? Well, the um, owner and mentor, Asley Brown Frazier, who has since passed away, was wonderful. When he um, promoted me to that role, I would meet with him. And I had to let me back up a little bit. His his daughter was CEO, and then I was president. And then uh, Laura mm-hmm. decided to move on to do some other things personally. And then Owsley promoted me to CEO. And he provided some great training. Now, he was vice chairman of the board of Brown Foreman, so his resources were extensive. Mm-hmm. And he provided many opportunities for me. So the, the training and the learning and the leadership programming he put me through was certainly was eye-opening. But one thing he'd always say, when you're a leader, just make sure and turn around that the troops are always following you. So no fast decisions, no fast, nothing to change overnight. Now, there were changes during this time, but having a mentor helped me navigate through some, through some tough times. Making sure that you make the right hires was truly important, and that's where um, I go back to the Oliver Group and the lessons I learned from Owsley and just from, you know, you you make mistakes and then you learn from those mistakes. And uh, I think all those served me really well 
during my tenure at Bidner. So it's um, and everyone likes to go into work there pretty much because they like what they do. It's mm-hmm. kind of what I see when I walk into El Toro. I mean, the, it's the energized thing. So for the most part, everyone there is professional. If you provide them value and recognition and the resources, it works pretty well. I think it's probably going to be eye-opening to some of our listeners that being where you are in your positions and what you do, mm-hmm. that you have a mentor or you've had mentors. Absolutely. You know, how do, how do you go about that process and what do you talk about to your mentors when you do? Is it any decision? Is it just the big decisions? Is it? I, I think, and we talk about this in a lot with the, um, in Leadership Louisville and Leadership Kentucky, and we talk about how to provide opportunities for young professionals. And every young professional, in my belief, I hope has a mentor. I don't know who you all have. Who do you, who do you refer to? I mean, I, who, I, I talk to Dan a right. lot. I mean, he hired me right out of so, school. And how about you, Austin? Stads is my man. <laughs> <laughs> whether, whether it's home furnishings, business decisions, baby stuff, everything. Sometimes. I try to help out. <laughs> Claire's, Claire's like, dude, you need help. <laughs> I, didn't ex- I didn't expect that. No, nah, I've got... Yeah, I've, more. Got, I've got a couple of people, <laughs> but like, I do I do talk to Stats. His his opinion, you know. I mean, we started a podcast together, so right. I have to respect his opinion somewhat. Yeah, I think having a mentor, Asley, because of his tenure in business, was able to say these are things that you need to be aware of, or let's have you had training here. He really wanted me to do more public speaking, which isn't one in, in my wheelhouse. I'll do it if I mm-hmm. have to. Um, how to dress for success, how to present was all important um, when you're trying to go out in the community and, um, you know, make your brand awareness mm-hmm. of people, who we are. And I enjoy And that's what getting on the boards really helped get that word out, too. And it gave me an opportunity to meet people one-on-one on an oncurring basis. And over that many period of years, that's where you develop those relationships. Mm-hmm. So like, the mentoring is absolute must. I mean, how, how do you... I don't know how someone advances without that type of support. Educated guesses. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. I don't think educated guesses get you get you advancing too far. Really? I mean, it's also about the, the like you said, the, the networking people plus networking. Right. I mean, it's not. I mean, networking is quote unquote, you know, a bad Cliché. word. But well, it's but don't think about it in the cheesy way. It's you want to know people. You right. want to get to know people. Right. Well, it's about it's it, and it's also about surrounding yourself. You know, I've got people that I consider friends that we have very much a, a professional relationship. Right. Uh, you know, whereas, you know, for instance, the the gentleman that that works on my automobile. You know, he comes to my house. He works on the car. He does top notch work. He works on very, very, very high end cars. And then, can I, can I know, have his name? Yes, ma'am. You may. I mean, what's, what's he doing at your house? Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> because I don't have those. Uh, 1987. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, man, it's a sick ride. It's going to outlive us all. Um, that sub's a little bit too big for us, <laughs> Indeed, it is. Um, but it's it's about it's about knowing where to go for proper resources for a specific task, and it's not about you know, I'm not putting him out. I'm paying him for his services. Right. But it's nice to know that if, you know, the the Honda, you know, needs new struts or something like that, I've got somebody that I know I can call and I know it's going to get taken care of. I know it's going to get, he's going to look at everything else and it's going to get taken care of properly. It's about having folks, you know, if you have a cleaning lady. So you're in a relational, I mean, that's a relational exactly. type of friendship you have. I mean, it's, and it's also sets them apart because of good customer service. But mm-hmm. without him knowing... I'm going to go over and help 
help this poor guy with his car. Yeah, and without that cliched networking <laughs> term, we would have never met. And right. you know, that's one of those things that you just build. Like you said, you build these relationships yeah. up, and you surround yourself. It's it's your personal team. It is. Um, you know, and I'm going to go forward into the world, and if I've got to go into battle, you know, these are the mm-hmm. folks that are going with me, and that's fantastic because I'm yeah. I'm gonna be okay. I used to always say I have the best Rolodex in town. Oh, you probably don't even know what a Rolodex is. I do okay. too. Oh, <laughs> come on now. But now it's Outlook. I mean, it's there. That is your team, and they're there to support you as I would be to support them. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up again. The the relational selling a relationship, because I would have thought that the real estate would have been one of those industries that could still be that transactional, you know, I've made the sale, I'm done. But, I mean, people talk to people. So right. that makes a whole lot of sense, you know. And sometimes it is. I mean, for so many people, it's how many transactions they're going to do in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, with, in my opinion, what sets the realtors apart is the ones that are the relational real estate agents are the ones that accomplish more. Maybe, for me, it would be personally, because I'm not in it to sell and not see them again. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would almost feel like I didn't, I didn't complete. I mean, what was the purpose? Yeah. I mean, I'm in it I'm to help people, to meet people. And as a result, yes, I can list or sell your home. First and oh. foremost is the relationship. Because honestly, if we were to meet and you'd say we didn't hit it off, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be in my best interest to represent you. Nor you would, you wouldn't no, sell me a house then? If you, oh, I know I would sell you a house, but just oh. say, <laughs> man, I was going to cry on air. Just say hypothetically, if you didn't like me or something, you know, you sometimes you just you don't connect. You know, I mm-hmm. I, I want to be able to connect with the people that I'm representing. Oh yeah, I mean, then yeah. you have even more more invested in that because mm-hmm. they're now your friend. They're right. you know your acquaintance. I want to make right. sure they're good. Exactly. So, process oriented. Mm-hmm. They're all about process. Pretend you're a consultant. Day one, you walk into a very high priced industry. What do you do? What are you looking at? What are what are the most impactful things that, that need to be taken care of? I'm just going to go back to my experience. Day one, when I decided, when I walked into WR Realtors, which we have to understand we're under the Home Services of America umbrella. So it's Seminen, mm-hmm. Rector Hayden, Huff, and WR Realtors. We have one CEO. Um, I met with the CEO <clears throat> to say I've had this career, which has been phenomenal. I have all these type of people I know. I mean, you may have 1,500 to 2,000 people that you've connected with. How do I, how do I manage and work that? So um, he recommended that I do this um, training of how to basically the, the, begin, the ABCs of, of how to get started. And the first was your sphere. You know all the people that you know that you could call and count on, get their names, addresses, emails, phone numbers, and uh, make a connection to them, and that's that's sort of your that's your bread and butter. And if you're going to launch a business, that's where you have to start. Of course. And that's where I started. And then um, through that training, it gave me some process. So it was my sphere. Then it was my announcements. Then I called everybody to make sure that they got my announcements, <laughs> and to see if they knew anybody that um, they would feel comfortable referring me to. And that that's. That's a lot of work when you think about it. Um, and it wasn't all 2000. So now I send out, um, I think Dave, you're one of my I, beneficiaries. I, I, get, I get some of your emails and they're very informative. And um, it's, it's not junk mail, folks. It's not. No, I, I try to send out a, a electronic email, a hard letter. I do weekly phone calls, weekly handwritten notes. And we do our newsletter 
So all next year, that was part of my Saturday thing, is every month I have outlined what I'm going to do and when I'm going to mail it or when I'm going to send it. And those help because then I'm always updating my database because it's you moved or you've changed your email, you've changed your work. It's um, It keeps me in the flow and keeps me connected with everybody. So for me it was um, the, the crux of the, my whole beginning of, of real estate was to get my sphere in place. Mm-hmm. Which we, we call our sphere, our database. Oh yeah, you got to. We're in business. It's a it's a database. Okay. A database. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. My I mean, CRM system. <laughs> and I bought What's a CRM? CRM. I bought one. Woo. I just I don't know why I didn't have one before. I don't know how it functioned all those years. <laughs> it's a lifesaver. It, it really is, is because I mean it will. Um, I mean I'm on there every day. It's almost there's something that has to be updated on there. Mm-hmm. So I mean if I find out that, you know, I'll put in there today, Stadler's dog, Sophie, you know, that's the name and, you know, the age or, you know, Austin likes, you know, old mics or, so those little notes yes, will go, in, yeah, <laughs> those little notes will go into my, my, my CRM. So yeah, it's like the, the first day of school, you know, mm-hmm. you got to get the, the emergency hotline, the but numbers. Right. That's a trait. That is a trait that is shared by, I, and I, people ask, people say, oh, salespeople, you know. I, I know in my entire life, and I'm, I'm 34 years old, and in the interest of full disclosure, I have met maybe three or four salespeople that I would truly call, like, they will live and die by the sale. These are salespeople. They are fantastic at it. And they all go with, they all have a relational approach to it. Um, but your updating of your CRM system, all of you take notes. Mm-hmm. You know, all of you take feverish notes right. um, in my experience and then you know they, one of the guys that do it he's he's actually going to be on our podcast here in December he is I believe the technical term is a haberdasher um, and anytime he leaves a meeting he takes extensive notes about how you know somebody's body type has changed or the uh, patterns that they like or the colors <laughs> that they were drawn to or things like that and it's it's all such a pleasant experience when interacting with them because you know, you're not exactly, you ain't buying clothes off the shelf. And, uh, you know, I don't know how my waist is expanding or contracting, but uh, Jordan sure as heck does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I can, I, in general. But I remember I my dad growing up, he was, um, had his own law firm and he was an entrepreneur. I mean, I think more so than a lawyer, but in the men's coat pockets, he would always have um, like a piece of paper and he would always take notes during a talk, during a meeting, or, you know, after church or whatever. And he'd always in his lining of his coat pocket were his, all his handwritten notes, and he would come back, I guess, and translate them into to something that may, was more meaningful for him. But even my older brother, who um, is a, um, he was a doctor, an administrator, all, he does the same type of habits. I, I noticed that. That's so interesting. Because, you know, you can only remember so much and sometimes it's quicker for some of us to just write it down than it is to put it into mm-hmm. your phone mm-hmm. oh, for it's, sure. it's easy to lose a, a digital file that's yeah. for sure well, handwritten th- notes thing. I think it, it always looks impersonal when somebody is taking notes on a cell phone it's horrible just to let you know I think it's very rude I can't <laughs> I, like I, we have people that you know they're, they're taking notes or something along those lines and they'll sit in an interview I've had people that will actually take notes on their phone that was and, me well, no, no, you I, didn't. I, we I haven't would, hired one of those people. No, I swear I did. No, you didn't. I you did it discreetly I announced, then. I announced, though. Well, I'm oh, taking notes. I'm not texting. And I was just going to okay. say, if you just say, do you Whatever, mind if Austin. I take notes? On, <laughs> do you mind if I take notes on the phone? As long yeah. as you know. But if you're taking out and you're a phone and you're looking at it during a talk, it's like, you know, 
Are you bored? Yeah. yeah. Well, well yeah. But this mean, is this is part of that perception talk earlier. You know, if I see you writing down, I perceive that you're taking notes and you're into the conversation. That's a judgment call. Oh, oh, don't judge us. Gosh, don't man. judge us. Yeah, but <laughs> don't I'm judge trying me. to bolster this point okay. I was trying to make earlier. <laughs> <I know. laughs> ah. So, I mean, go back to the interview part. Somebody walks in with a notepad and a pen to a tech interview. That's that's a good thing. I think it's a fantastic oh, thing. That's that's eye-opening right there. Oh, oh dude, it so. totally is. I mean, the, the people that walk around with notebooks and pens are going to remember more from every single conversation you get involved in. I, I mean, I, I'm of the firm belief that that's the case. You know, I've always got a notebook within arm's length. Actually, I don't have yeah, one Yeah, you guys are two peas in a pod. I do. Stadler writes his whole day, taught to him by his dad, he told me. Writes oh, yeah. down all his ideas and, you know, everything that happened, even the little stuff. But it makes me think sometimes, like, say, with the sales approach, is that a parlor trick or is that, like, me really trying to, to learn this other person? Because I'm super impressed when a salesperson can, like, tell me something little about me. Because mm -hmm. that's just, that's an attention to detail. I mean, you asked that, and I'm sorry, I know this is Claire's interview here, but, like, we, yeah, we run in tangents. Right. But does it matter? Because if they're a salesperson and you actually need something that they are providing or you want something that they're providing, does it matter that they're taking feverish notes for the goal of making sure that you're served properly and you purchase and you're happy and anything that can alleviate any of that negative post-purchase dissonance? But there's a balance. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> here no, she is. No, here's I, here's mediating this. I'm just saying that there's a balance of just being obsessive about it to like you're not a part the, of the conversation or part of true. finding out who you really are, whether mm -hmm. you're really, what are your needs. So that's where the balance. And I keep ledgers. I mean, I, I have a ledger there, and I, I write down different things. But when I'm talking to people that have asked me to list their house or referral, I mean, I usually just go in and listen to them first. And mm -hmm. then you'll see a lot of professionals, I don't care who it is and what profession, You'll see them in the people are in their car writing. That's probably as a follow up or <laughs> to some yeah. type of conversation, and you'll miss some. But at least you'll the second time you meet, you're hopefully a little bit more comfortable. So moving back onto the rails here after okay. we go down that <laughs> random tangent. <laughs> sorry, listeners, not sorry. <laughs> um, your tenure at Bittner's, mm -hmm. you guys, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you guys expanded into a couple other locations. We had um, several locations during the time I was there. We had retail stores. We had the Holiday Manor Center. We had one in the Starks Building. Okay. Um, and then we had a store in Cincinnati. Okay. And I have to say what happened over, what, what translated over a period of time is technology and the Internet became more of our competitor mm -hmm. than other stores in the area. And so it um, it didn't make sense to keep up the, to keep open those retail stores because our our bread and butter was the, the services that you can't buy. That was the design talent or um, that you can't find on the Internet, that, 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 that um, feeling, that lifestyle. Gotcha. And so, you know, people could find a lot of the um, China crystal silver, decorative accessories, um, you know, the exposure. And then they go on sale and, you know, we were contracted to buy them at a certain price and, you know, our competitors started, I mean, our vendors started going in competition with us, so it, it didn't make sense. Gotcha. And as as far as the community, I know that I, st I still hear, I'm so sorry that Holiday Manor store closed, and we were too. Yeah. It, it was it was really, really a tough decision, but that was 
a financial decision. A lot of heart went into making that decision. But um, if if I if we could do anything better, it would have been preparing better public relations on why the store was closing. I think we were just we made the decision, and we had processed that decision probably so many months before we actually closed. And when we closed, it became a shock to the employees and to the community. And of course. for that, we could have done a better job. It's interesting that you bring that up because that kind of, it echoes, uh, we had uh, some previous guests on the podcast kind of talk about how the internet age kind of moved an aspect of their business right. out of business. Right. Um, talk to me a little bit about that timeline as to, you know, the Internet's kind of gaining massive prominence in the late 90s and early 2000s, obviously. You know, when did you all see the writing on the wall? And from that moment where the first one of you all said, these stores don't have a leg to stand on in competition to the Internet, we need to act, and we need to act as soon as we can reasonably do so. What what was that timeline like and what was that process like uh, in a little bit more detail I mean I realized that there are lives that are kind of changed mm -hmm. in that process um, but I, I just find that 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 curious because you know we have we've had previous guests where they weren't in front of that decision and it put them out of business entirely um, and you guys are obviously or bitners mm -hmm. I, I say you guys because I, I kind of Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but you know, Bittners was able to realize that and they were able to maintain a strong footing in the community and a strong footing in the design business, and they are still alive and well today. Right. When they did the retail store, I created that. It was the right time, right place. You know, the buyers were well-versed with a lot of product over in Europe. I mean, they would do trips to Europe. They're, the exposure to the high-end China Crystal Silver still hadn't made it on the Internet or exposed to the masses. And I think when one of our vendors, and it became one vendor, then two, then three, started having their own sites on, on the Internet selling their own product that we were having to buy, you know, at a minimum. Mm -hmm. And it became more <clears throat> and more aware. And then a lot of the vendors were selling to other um, retailers that we had tried to set ourselves apart from. And so things started becoming more and more in the gray area. And if we weren't as unique as uh, we wanted to be, that was what set us apart a lot. Gotcha. We got ahead of it. I don't know if we were really that far ahead of it. And, um, you know, one of the things that happened is we had a great bridal registry. And a young couple would come mm -hmm. in and they would register for all this beautiful china, crystal, and silver that we would special order and we would deliver to their house. So, and then we would, then after the bride would get all their all the beautiful china crystal silver that we special ordered we had to unpack we had to put in inventory then we had to gift wrap get it to the driver and take the driver to the house to deliver a beautiful oh package from bittner's in a beautiful bittner made box with a plaid ribbon so after the wedding was over and then they brought back all the special orders and then they would want to store credit so we would have to bring all the china crystals so oh, a lot man. of it so what started out to be a great service ended up to be something that wasn't a service to us um, as we got more and more. So it was sort of the bridal registry that really gave us a heads up as to this isn't working for what our purpose is. Mm -hmm. um, we weren't meeting, we weren't setting ourselves apart. We were actually, um, it was very expensive to keep that. So over a period of time, I, I think that realization was 
and you don't want to put those special orders out to on the table to discount because I mean they were specific to a person and they're and we 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 play it in the higher end. You can't discount premium. No. Don't mm-hmm. do it. No. Don't, don't do it, listeners. Yeah. So um, that's why going back and sticking to to the foundation and the uh, of the of what Bittner's was all about is what we did. I mean, even though uh, <coughs> Bittner's was from 1854, and sorry we're centering on Bittner's right yeah. now, but it's, it's a fascinating industry. It is a fascinating. It's a big part of your life. So. Right, it was. Even, even though they're that old, they can still adapt because, uh, as they say, adapt or die. You guys noticed a, a trend that was going on. You noticed what your core competency was and mm-hmm. said, hey, we can do it without this and still make money. Mm-hmm. They can just tour our factory. Isn't that what they do now? Well, you can go down there and take the tours. I mean, a lot of times um, we have to set up now because of um, code and regulations, and we don't want anybody to get hurt because there is equipment back there. But the showroom is beautiful. It exudes a design, a lifestyle, and that is what they're selling. And it's um, so the designers that are hired there are above bar. I mean, they're all like geniuses of the people here of El Toro. They're just, they're, I mean, they're just. She, she's so flattering. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> they, they have just set themselves apart and they will continue to do so as long as they maintain their high standards, which I don't see them deviating from at all. I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, that's where their bread gets buttered, you know, right. ultimately. I always had since 1854. It yeah. was, and think of all the changes that have happened from custom furniture and design. I mean, when you go in your home, you like to have a home that you feel proud and feel comfortable in and that's you. So, mm-hmm. And they can help translate that for you. And then you don't make mistakes in the future. And I mean, that's that's got to be something that's been so beneficial as you transitioned into real estate. It was because dealing in real estate, I love homes, and I love to see how people, their lifestyles and their personality comes out, and that, mm-hmm. that's why it's so personal. And it's um, and once you click with that, it, you know, it, you get in motion of how to how to market that house, and it's um, because there's a home for everybody, and that's kind of fun to find that match. Yeah, and it's. it's the best are when you get the, the first home buyers and they're going through houses and there's that aha moment and it's you just see it when they walk in the door. It's really pretty cool. It's kind of exciting. <laughs> I mean, you're selling them a lifetime. That's that's the house yeah. they're most likely going to raise their kids in. I hope no, not in a lifetime, but <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yes. But you're selling them a home where they're. It's like my my son and um, his wife. Yeah, you know, they're, they're going to be having children there and getting settled in and hopefully some great memories. Yeah, marking the heights of the kids as they grow yeah, up on the doorways. Which we all did. And I love seeing that in the house and the old telephone. Oh, yes. Things, you know? The little boxes and like the houses in Audubon Park. Yeah. And those places. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, yeah, I love those. Yeah. So here's, here's the hardest hitting question of the podcast. Mm. Very important. Dun, dun, dun. Letting the secrets out. Pandora's box right here. So when you're going to do an open house <laughs> and sell, you know, maybe that final encounter before the decision is made. What's the go-to candle or scent? Is it is it people-based, or is it house-based? Do you do you do that? So what? It's it's it, you know when you go into an open house and somebody has like that a lot of houses they would try to bake fresh baked cookies I do. like they I bake be... chocolate chip cookies. Oh, I do because I would I... expect no no no. That's less a veteran move right that there. Is, <laughs> is that I'm, I bake oh, the yeah. chocolate chip cookies and we'll have like you know the water bottles or the Perrier bottles depending on. You know how many people are expected to come through, but it gives me something to do. It gives a great 
feeling and warmth. Mm-hmm. Plus, I have my music going on, and I mm-hmm. do need to get some better speakers because my, my iPhone, I just listen to music that I like. Wow. And it kind of, it's a, not that you have a party, but there's activity. And mm-hmm. you want that, that house to be a happy house. It's a of fun course. experience. So when they leave, I always get comments. This is probably the best open house we've been to. This was such a fun open house. And I, that's nice. That's a, that's a homey vibe right there. It is. I mean, everybody like, And the people, a lot of couples bring their kids through. And it just of course. They, Oh. Do you, and they they like the cookies, and they're all they're always gone. Don't touch that! Don't put your hands away. <laughs> so anyway, it's not a candle. I don't. I'm not big on, no, on so. candles, just because um, there's so many different scents. And but everybody likes the smell of a homemade hey, cookie. Yeah. yeah, I need I need to step up my my real estate stuff. Yeah, I'm with some trashy what stuff. scent. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah. <laughs> Bullet County coming out. Right. Like, what's he talking about? <laughs> the look Claire gave me when I asked that question, I was, that was like, that was did, priceless. did I do something wrong? <laughs> Man, did I harm your family? I couldn't imagine if you had, if you had handed my son a chocolate chip cookie as I walked into a home I do not own. Sold. I would have been. I mean, I probably would have had to have buy it, bought it because he would have smeared chocolate prints down the walls. I mean, one time we went into this house that had, I mean, the dining room, it was it was atrocious. But uh, the dining room, it was straight up out of the late 70s, early uh-huh. 80s. It was Covered in mirrors, all uh-huh. I mean, just every every one of the four walls. DT gets in there, and I mean, he's oh, no. not even two years old at the time. And I mean, we left, and there were handprints <laughs> two feet high around the entire room. Uh, I, I mean, I loved it. I thought uh-huh. it was hilarious. But had you given him chocolate chip cookies? cookies? I know. Ugh. We would have had to run for the hills and used a fake name. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because a lot of the times these families will come after a soccer game or a kickball game, and these kids are hot and sweaty, and then to see water and a cookie was just like, this is great, yeah. (laughs) Now you children sit outside while Mommy and Daddy get busy in there. (laughs) Well, and it it allows conversation, and you get to know what they're looking for, the type of neighborhood, and is this the house? Or if it's a neighbor, you know, your neighbors are your best ambassadors. Yeah. Wouldn't you want to know who your neighbor is? Oh, of course. Yeah. And I mean, so. you know, you got to, there's a fair amount of looky loos that come through because, uh-huh. I mean, heck, we've got uh, Greg and MC that are looking for a house right now. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think I think I found the house. You're slaying me. Who are they uh, using? No. Um, I just broke her heart. I'm sorry. They're a, a real estate agent they had previously used on their, I, I'm on their teasing. first right, house. You can edit Who's that awful? out. Who's awful? Who's the. No, I can't speak badly. I don't know them. I don't know them. I don't want to get murdered. Just for the podcast, I'm three for three, but that's okay because I love all of you all. Thank you so much. Tactful as always. Tactful as always, and I've been, and I have been recommending you. I know, but thank you. I hope everyone has an experience that I have with mine because honestly, you want to have a good relationship with with the professional that you hire, and you should. Apparently, I didn't. I'm Man, sorry. Because... I, will, I will not make that mistake okay. again, Claire. <laughs> okay. Yeah, your agent was a Yankee Candle fool. He had a nice beard, though. <laughs> it was, oh, it was fantastic. Luxurious. Man makeup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just covered up. Covered and make up. it more trustworthy, more masculine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I trust Indeed. the guy. Claire, your passion uh, with respect to what you do for a living is, uh-huh. is infectious, and it is, it is uh-huh. noticeable. And we appreciate uh-huh. you sharing that passion with us and you know, sharing your love of helping others. So yeah. thank you. Thank you for carving you out so a little much. bit of time from your day to help us. We <laughs> really, really appreciate it, Claire. And you have been a fantastic friend to us, a fantastic friend to El Toro. Uh-huh. And I cannot personally thank you enough for coming in and helping us for 
I mean, literally from the time that we opened our doors, mm. uh, you know, I, I believe it was Sean that met you. He did. And you came in and we were just a couple of, couple of you know, flip-flop wearing hippies walking in the middle of an office. And, and... I remember him pitching this idea and I'm like, <laughs> what? I mean, <laughs> I mean I, there's, I'm not a tech person at all, but I'm thinking, explain it to me. He did, and I said, that's just not possible. And then I asked a few other questions. Why well, I said, is it legal? He goes, yes, it is. Pat Indeed. Gets, Pat gets really mad at me about that, but <laughs> you can edit that out. But I'm just, it just sounded so, I mean, how, congratulations to you guys. I mean, how you came up with that and actually put it in process, in a plan and executed it with over 100-plus employees now is pretty phenomenal. I mean, it's... Um, we're having fun. Yeah. I mean, you're all having fun in here. They're having fun out there. It's just, it's a really cool place. I love the energy. So, so cool. It should be illegal. You are welcome back whenever <laughs> you like. And if you ever want a quiet place to, to park while, if you're showing some high end, you know, penthouses downtown or whatever, uh, whatever you fancy real estate folks do, you're welcome yeah. to come park here for a little while. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you all. Thank you so much, Claire. You've been listening to the Straight from the Bull podcast from El Toro Studios, brought to you by eltoro.com, where we target people, not pixels. That's true. I mean, my kid's very good at breaking things.